0: Sometimes wild. And wild. And wild. And sometimes normal. This episode, my guest is Lizzie Maratilla. She is the founder of Full Spectrum Compassionate Coaching. We have an interesting conversation on full body mental health and wellness. In Lizzie's practice, she incorporates cannabis and has clients worldwide. Some of our conversations touch on the medical benefits of cannabis, how far we've come from street marijuana to government-regulated dispensaries, and why marijuana itself is a stigmatized word and should be replaced with cannabis. Enjoy the show. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients, organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few. A family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILD and WEIRD at checkout. That's WILD, A-N-D, WEIRD. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey, escape the city and move to the suburbs? Finally purchased a vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email McCoach at kw.com. Welcome to another episode of Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal. I'm your host, Brian, and tonight's guest is Lizzie Maritia, Full Spectrum Compassionate Coaching. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to uh, to chat tonight.
0: I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much.
1: Mm -hmm. My pleasure.
0: So you are the creator of Full Spectrum Compassionate Coaching. Can you expand on that a little bit?
1: My coaching practice is a compassionate practice. So it's a combination of coaching on self-compassion, I work a great deal with trauma survivors, as well as coaching on mindfulness and movement that support that compassion and support a full spectrum wellness lifestyle, one where there's autonomy and independence and balance and trust, as well as comprehensive cannabis protocol for those that are looking for cannabis education and medicinal cannabis in their life to support them either with pain management or anxiety, depression, and great very many things. So I combine all of those tools together to create a unique regimen for each of my clients that helps them to achieve their ambitions in in their life of happiness, of comfort, and anything else that they're trying to do professionally or personally.
0: So for example, somebody's coming to you with an anxiety that they can't get over or they choose they don't want to go with prescription drugs and Mm -hmm. they'd rather approach on a more holistic approach?
1: Absolutely. I often help with their diets, with things that are inflammatory, maybe helping to eliminate those, helping to find roots of dysfunctional cycles or uh, irrational thoughts, things that are holding them back from progress in their lives. Many of my clients have entered into therapy after beginning working with me, something that they were anxious about before. Maybe they had bad experiences. Oftentimes they feel more comfortable talking to me about certain things that like their cannabis use, for example, that they don't feel comfortable talking to their therapist or psychologists about. So they will supplement really that mental health care with coaching. And it also reaffirms their actions that come from therapy and their sleep routine or hydration is a really big thing. Uh, hygiene is a really big thing. It's one of the first things to go when people are p- feeling depressed or their self-worth is low. brushing their teeth or a simple shower can be really hard to do. So having someone beyond the therapist, beyond the clinical setting to support them not the ability to text them a couple times a week and check in, and see how are things going. Leave them in meditations, maybe even check in with a quick session on their off day if they need it. So I can meet them in a place that's kind of between self reliance and the clinical support. It's
0: fascinating. So you you briefly touched on inflammation through diet. Are there mm-hmm. a few type of examples you could give of high inflammation food that people should try to avoid to possibly better their health or their their mentality? Things are going to bring them down uh, through their diet.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh the two biggest culprits are gluten and sugar. A lot of people feel that there's a gluten-free fad happening. Honestly, there's it's the same with cannabis. I argue that people who medicate with cannabis recreationally, quote unquote, are treating something that they might not realize like their anxiety or depression social anxieties in particular. Tapping into some creative parts of themselves can be inspired that way. And it's the same when people eliminate gluten. Maybe they're trying to lose weight. I'm not really of the mind of dieting for for weight. I'm more of adjusting one's lifestyle for comfort. So cutting out things like gluten and sugar, they'll find that their inflammation reduces. These things feed it big time. And I mean, we need inflammation to some extent, of course, when it comes to injury, it helps to Helps to heal, helps to protect. But when it's overactive, when it's fed things like gluten and sugar, we become really uncomfortable and we experience chronic pain. This contributes to anxiety, contributes to depression, contributes to heart disease. You can pretty much take any affliction and bring it right back to inflammation, overactive inflammation as the source. So when you, you reduce that, when you cut out the things that feed it, it's a total life changer. It can, it can take, I myself, was taking thousands of milligrams of Motrin on really bad pain days when I have endometriosis flare-ups. When I cut out gluten and sugar, cut it down to maybe a couple hundred milligrams a day, also with the support of cannabis medicine, it's changed everything. I mean, that's saving my liver. That's even causing more inflammation, even really from over-medicating with opioids.
0: Wow. So sugar, I think, is pretty obvious for people that, you know, the sodas, the, you know, the candies, you know, all the stuff mm-hmm. you had growing up, it was delicious. And as you get older, you know, a box of Fruity Pebbles, as delicious as it is, it's probably not the best for you. Gluten. I'm sorry. I'm a little ignorant on the topic of gluten. I've seen breads that are gluten-free. Where else are we finding gluten in our diet?
1: Anything that has flour, wheat flour, rye flour... You know, they have gluten-free pizza crust now that are made from cauliflower. Now they're gluten-free is going to have wheat flour in it. Anything with wheat flour, the act of, um, you know, uh, mixing it with agents to help it stick together, that's creating a gluten when it holds together. And that builds up in, in the body and just the process of breaking it down stimulates this inflammation in joints. So if I eat something like a piece of toast, I will feel it. I have a chronic joint disorder also, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. So I have arthritis, i have been chronic pain my entire life. And I feel it in my knuckles, the arthritis in my knuckles whenever I I eat something that is going to feed my inflammation. I'll feel it in all of my joints right away.
0: How long will it take to process out of your body until you feel better?
1: That's person to person. Um, I always encourage people to give it a month, give one month and see how they feel. We're talking about one month out of years of life, right? It's worth it to try and just see, because maybe it's not the answer for everyone, but typically the human body, I mean, inflammation is a problem. So anything that feeds it, we want to try to at least reduce as much as possible. Psoriasis, for example, is an inflammatory affliction and that's over inflamed uh, epidermis. So cutting out gluten, people have found major, major, supporting that when it comes to their psoriasis. I know a child um, who's nonverbal on the spectrum. They cut out gluten. They started talking. They eat pizza. They didn't talk for days.
0: Oh, my gosh. P- see, pizza's the cure for everything. Uh, I've known this for a long time. I've been trying to tell people. No, That that's that's absolutely amazing. It's amazing that this child, nonverbal, on the autism spectrum the parents, you know, they're you're trying to grasp around a condition that's not fully understood, that there's not a go-to medication for, you know, and sometimes those parents could feel left out and then the child is could be trapped in their world. And then mm-hmm. to just through a diet, have them respond and have them come back and, and be able to interact. I mean, that's just absolutely amazing.
1: It's amazing. I, I have a, a patient that would come to the dispensary that I worked at and this man is suffering from Parkinson's. He was shaking, shaking terribly all over as he came in. And he was finally at that place where he was like, enough is enough. I'm going to try cannabis. Senior citizen and been told his whole life, don't touch this stuff for various reasons. You know, all the, all the stigmas that you hear and he said, enough is enough. I'm going to try. refer
0: madness. You have to be careful with this reefer madness. People are going to go <laughs> insane and jump out of a window.
1: I know, and kill your family with an axe. Wh- which is it? Do I have the energy to kill somebody with an axe, or am I stuck in the couch, drooling on myself? You know, pick, pick it's, a. Poison. It's hard to tell. Hard. To tell. <laughs> it's really hard to tell. But he was like, "Okay, I'm going to go for it." And because I was able to help him understand how cannabis works, and that he didn't need to be, you know, risking getting so stoned that he's terrified. You know, measuring out the terpenes and the cannabinoids that would support him, we found the products that helped. And we also talked to him. I I did. I talked to him as the cannabis agent about reducing in, inflammation in his diet and other places in his life. He came in a few weeks later and he held out his hand. I mean, it was the most incredible thing. Everybody cried because he was still, and I mean, this isn't 24-7, he still, he still, you know, tremors quite a bit, but this was huge. This was night and day difference from when he walked in. And it's simple changes that can be self-sufficient, but instead in America and around the world, we're taught, well, here, throw this medication at it. And when that one has a bunch of effects, you're going to need to throw medications at all of those too. When really, and what I was excited, what I'm excited to talk to you about today, the endocannabinoid system, everybody has one and understanding how it works and what, what turns it on to work properly to maintain homeostasis and what affects its processes like inflammation, learning how that works and how our bodies work can change everything. And we can go from not speaking to speaking because inflammation does, we're still learning what it does neurologically. We don't know how many people today, a great majority, I would say, are feeling their anxiety because of not just things they've inherited through their families and dysfunctional cycles and trauma, but also what they're eating, just changing what they eat or changing what they consume energetically, like social media, what are are they eating in that respect also, and how that can change everything. I'm sorry, I ramble because I get very excited
0: (laughs) No, I think that's fine. And I I think looking at social media like junk food is a good way to look at it. And, and that is the sugar that you don't need in your life. Since I've started this podcast and uh, I've been editing and recording, I've been very busy. I have not been on Twitter nearly as much and you would have no idea that the entire world is falling apart at every single second and half the country hates each other and you know whatever else might be going on of these manufactured fears that they're trying to drive into people to just break people down keep them locked inside their house or locked inside themselves internally and not function with their neighbor with a friend to just go to factory farming to just go to the store and get this processed meat and not go find a local farmer not go get fresh vegetables, not go to the the farm market on on the weekends, you know, on on like Main Street, wherever it might be, to go there mm-hmm. and get the fresh vegetables that somebody in your neighborhood is growing for you that is putting care into it and not injecting with chemicals to make make them turn a certain color or make them brighter. Mm-hmm. It's really a shame. you talked about sugar for a second. I, I made a Fruity Pebbles joke, though. Yeah, um, yeah. My so,
1: is every night before bed. <laughs> he has it's that a great tech.
0: <laughs> Good for him. You know, I, I know you're much more familiar, it seems, in in the cannabis world or alcohol. And I know people can abuse alcohol or use alcohol, you know, to try to deal with anxiety or to, you know, use as a social lubricant. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, cutting out sugar is completely a lot of alcohol is filled with sugar. Some people will find it hard to cut it out or, you know, I won't be able to go to the party. I I won't be able to go to the. I don't even know what holiday is coming up. I won't go to go to Cinco de Mayo and talk to my friends at at the Mexican restaurant unless I have seven margaritas. What mm. is the the low sugar alcohol for somebody to responsibly have a drink or two to reduce inflammation mm. and move forward?
1: Well, honestly, I'd recommend cannabis. <laughs> I'd say Perfect. try okay. hey. try cannabis okay. instead. It doesn't cause liver disease, and it, it doesn't. Cannabis has never killed anybody because the receptors that receive the messages from cannabis they're they're not plentiful on the brain stem so it won't cause you to stop breathing so it doesn't shut the body down like alcohol does it doesn't cause a gut like alcohol does it doesn't alter the brain chemistry the way that alcohol does and by partaking of cannabis and tending to the endocannabinoid system that has this anxiety that that is dysfunctioning because of whatever habits or feelings surrounding this social situation or or thinking like, oh, we have to drink in order to be able to feel comfortable in this place. All of that is something out of whack. So tending the underlying issue by treating it with cannabinoids that can turn everything the right way within the body and, and tend to that anxiety. In my mind, that's gouging Mm, that's scraping out all the infection as opposed to a sparkly little alcohol band-aid that might get you through the night but in the long term it's taking years off of you and it's it's a a false sense of security it's a false sense of comfort i would rather tend the underlying issue than than mask it and if you know you want to have a drink i'm a red wine gown myself. The glucose index is low. Um, There's a lot of antioxidant benefits. If you look at the Greeks, they have the top tier for longevity. You know, we look to them a lot for the Mediterranean diet, the high in fish, like salmon, nuts and things. They live the longest in the world and they're pretty happy (laughs) for for the most part when it comes to their diet and their physical shape. You don't hear a lot of inflammation coming out of Greece either. And they red wine is on the list of, you know, a little bit of this. And there's also kombucha, which has a little bit of a little bit of alcohol in it, but it'll tend that gut health because it has the the vinegar for anybody that has yeast overgrowth, which I'd say probably all of America does.
0: One could look at people and People think that they're in control and they're making their decisions every day. But if you really get down to it, a lot of it does seem that's driven by gut health. Your gut is driving you to do what you think you want to do. You know, what are the best ways to either through the diet or through cannabis or or things like this to, to help get that on the right direction?
1: I would say mind-body connection is a major, major factor. Big thing, big problem, especially in the United States, is the disconnect there. We don't trust ourselves. As as you mentioned, people feel like, you know, more compelled to to go buy processed foods than to to you know support a neighborhood by purchasing in the farmer's market and, and being more connected in that way. That's energetic exchange, you know, when you're spending that extra dollar, but it's a local business, you're feeding a friend you're feeding a neighbor so you're getting even more from it that way so looking at things from that perspective and understanding that the mind itself we're still learning about this there's more that we don't know than human beings have time left to learn that's the truth of it we don't understand energy fully we know it cannot be created or destroyed it can only change form we know that the brain is not you know the the little epicenter that we always believed it to be there's a growing theory that the mind is even external to the body and that's why we carry grief in our shoulders or anxiety in our knees and in our necks or we carry joy in our jaws because the body is more connected to the spirit and the emotion and to the mind than than people realize so when we feed ourselves it's more than just the chemical response of sugar and dye dye which is just, that's a whole nother thing the dye that that's in the foods but it's more than just the chemical effects that they inspire, but it's it's the endocannabinoid system being able to function properly because it's being fed with healthy things energetically and physically, and like you said, with the, with the farmer's market. And I mean, our generation has been in a crisis, crisis forever. It's just been nonstop awful. Like you said, we're having these things kind of slam down our throats. Generations prior had the advantage of Nayavate. They they didn't know what was going on in neighboring states. They only knew what was going on in their neighborhood. Now we're aware of everything. We're aware of all the awful. And that is contributing to our gut health. It's making us anxious. When we feel anxious, we get tummy aches, right? I mean, that's how humans work. But we take for granted that connection. We'll we'll trust to some extent, but really we're conditioned to believe unless a doctor can tell me to take two of these and call them in the morning or her in the morning and then go back and forth trying this medication. Like I trust them to tell me everything that I need to do. Instead of bringing some of that trust back in ourselves, we give it all away. And that leaves everything in a state of dysfunction also.
0: I feel like that's a Western world view of, you know, that you don't trust your body and that only a doctor can tell you how to feel right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that we're still learning about the mind and the body. And I feel some of the Eastern medicine already knows this. And it's more that we forgot it. And we're trying to relearn and reestablish. There's a pill for everything, and if that pill doesn't work, there's two more to fix that one. Yeah. And a lot of the the medicine is derived through plants that they're synthetically creating. Then, so that's already there naturally for you. That at some point, a local doctor, you know, who who didn't have. 17 degrees from Duke University and and is on the payroll of a pharmaceutical company. But like a local doctor understood that if your stomach was hurting to give you this plant or whatever it might be, unless something is broken, a fracture sticking out of your skin, like, yes, you definitely should go to the hospital. You should go to the Mm -hmm. doctor. You should get that treated. And natural medicine is not for everybody on day one. And maybe baby steps your way to to learning more and, and to experiencing and and going to some of these health stores and, and talking to somebody who has experience. To me, it just seems that we are dragging our feet to try to learn a little more when a lot of those answers are already there, but they've been poo-pooed for, for so long. Even uh, cannabis being a Schedule 1 narcotic and never should have been that.
1: It's insane. It's it's absolutely ridiculous that it's a Schedule 1. And it, it all really comes down to following the money. That's what it is. I mean, what's where's the money? in something that people can self-sustain where they can grow their own they can find what works and that ancient wisdom is there but we america went so far as to be almost solely responsible for the illegalization of cannabis in india because they threatened embargoes (laughs) if they didn't so they still have bong in the in the street it's like a, a street milk that they make with cannabis but you can't Consume the flower itself in India. Because America said, oh, if you we do, we're going to get mad at you. The reach was that far for for the money. And cannabis is shown to cause apoptosis, cause cancer cell suicide, essentially. There is so much money in cancer treatment. In this country people don't want that the whole reason it became illegal in the first place is because william randolph hearst owned the lumber mills and the newspapers and hemp was far more sustainable and because alcohol became legal so harry enslinger needed something new to charge after nixon you know he had his own i could go on like it's all vested interests and money
0: Right, but they voted to make marijuana illegal, which was not the common term at that time. And that was a Mexican scare term to use where everybody was like, Oh, well, you have to make that illegal because those people down there are so terrible. And then finding out that you just made illegal what you were growing on your own property.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that you know that. That was William Randolph Hearst is pretty much responsible for the term marijuana. He combined Maria and Juan and said, if you smoke this, you're you're gonna be hacked to death uh by an axe like this Mexican did over here, which was preposterous absolutely ridiculous and then they actually made hemp illegal and i believe it was kentucky because there was this fear that oh if people were growing hemp which many don't realize isn't cannabis without the buds it's it's not even like the plant but doesn't flower it's its own plant it's a cousin to cannabis and it was has been used for thousands of years to make rope and textiles and the first american flag is believed to have been made with with hemp, George Washington grew it. If you didn't grow it in his time, you had to pay a fine for not growing it because they needed it because it was so sustainable. And it was made illegal in Kentucky because they said, oh, well, somebody might sneak 10 cannabis plants in the middle of their hemp field. So let's just throw the baby out with the bathwater, which is ridiculous. It's it's all so backward. We could be much farther advanced with the science, with the understanding. Other countries could as well, but because America is such a A national, international powerhouse. You know they don't want to piss us off. Things have been limited elsewhere, also, and they have their own interests in other countries as well. There's more money in opiates. There's more money in people who are dependent on opiates and all the other problems that come along with inflammatory illnesses, like we've been talking about.
0: Right. There's no money in a cure, but there is money in a consistent treatment. And then if we can give you another pill to make that other pill side effects go uh double the money
1: absolutely and in fact the endocannabinoid system <clears throat> which we all have all vertebrates have them it's only taught about to about 15% of medical professionals in college how insane is that? Like, this is the literal system in the body. It's the reason you blink when you look at the sun. It's the reason you shiver when you're cold and you sweat when you're hot, because it is the communication highway within the body responsible for maintaining homeostasis. It's the only retrograde system we have that communicates between the cardiovascular and the musculoskeletal to say, hey, you're, you're really cold. You should shiver to warm up. It's the one that sends those messages we need to know <laughs> about this we need to know that the endocannabinoid that we produce within our bodies it's called anandamide that's what's responsible for the runner's high that people who run get i don't run but people who run and they enjoy it that's anandamide doing its thing and when you're properly producing anandamide which is which is an agonist and it can be supplemented thc is actually it's phyto counterpart um, it's a partial agonist, so it'll turn the dial just enough to help you feel motivation, pleasure. You cannot feel these things if you're anandamide deficient. People who have PTSD, who have chronic depression, they are devoid of anandamide. It's produced in the hippocampus, on demand, as we need it, so that we can enhance our mood, so that we can sleep well. And it supports diet and appetite, just like you're saying, like what we crave to put in our bodies, what's directed by our gut. Anandamide plays a role in it. So this common sense tells you everybody should know about this, right? They should be teaching kids about this. We should know what causes depression. We should know what causes PTSD. We should know what we need to tend in order to help uh, alleviate these things. But they don't even teach it to most doctors. Why?
0: The money, right? Right. Everything goes back to the money. It. It's really just sad just polluting our bodies by pharmaceuticals that are not always needed. I'm not saying that all pharmaceuticals are are bad. People do they they need things. There are, there are great things that science has developed. But to go to a doctor and you know you're talking about 15% of them are mm-hmm. actually knowledgeable on on things that, that could help your body and then to regulate and for them not to know, but then they have no problem pulling out their their script pad and and writing whatever it might be.
1: Furthermore, CBD has been shown to really truly curb heroin withdrawal symptoms by up to a week with one dose that's major why is that being so truly suppressed i can't even advertise my practice on facebook because if they go back to my landing page and they see the word cannabis on there i could get shut down because it's still federally illegal so people can't even get out there and unless you're subscribing to mary jane newsletter or or, you know if you get leaf magazine at your local dispensary, like how are you going to learn that there's even an option out there for someone to teach you how to safely and properly use cannabis. You have to start really digging around the cannabis coaches. Like what I do, we're a new wave. The first cannabis coach in the entire country, Christina Rosola, she's down in Florida. She works with the doctor and the patients come in. They need the support to show them, you know, what it is that they're doing, how to do what they need and how to make choices and what it does to help them. I was her mentee. So I'm just the the first degree away from Kevin Bacon, so to speak. And I work with clients in Canada. I have a client in Finland. I have a client in Alaska and my Finnish client, they don't even have cannabis there. So I have to help him with cannabinoids and and terpenes from other sources to try and do what we can to stimulate the endocannabinoid system. And it's made a world of difference in all of my clients all, all around the world but they have to really search for me to find me to get this information to to gain this this experience and this wisdom because we can't advertise we can't talk about it
0: right so the united states federally marijuana cannabis illegal a lot of mm-hmm. states have gone forward with making it legal but you're still at that crossroads where mm-hmm. a dispensary um, can have it it may not have support of the local medical community or the state medical community, the Department of Health or anything like that. But you're allowed to have a dispensary. You can get, sometimes you just go in recreationally. Other times you may need a prescription, correct?
1: You need but a registration, yeah.
0: Registration, right. I'm sorry. So you need to go recreationally or registration. But then some of the issues that I've seen are the sales the money that dispensary takes in that some banks won't take it because mm-hmm. of, of the federal issues of that they're accepting Drug money, then that they're they mm-hmm. st- the bank still have used the dispensaries as a drug dealer because the feds have not come in and made it legal. Have you mm-hmm. had a, any issues with that?
1: Unfortunately, since I don't deal in product, I'm, I'm able to have a business bank account, but I did have to jump through a lot of hoops. As you notice, my practice is called full spectrum compassionate coaching because compassionate is kind of a known word to be synonymous with cannabis um, in the wellness world. Because if I had the word cannabis, In my title, the bank could not take me. And I had to make sure I called ahead for Wix for my website, that I called ahead for um, Zoom, that I called ahead for PayPal, that I called ahead for PNC, and let them all know I do not sell cannabis. I don't even sell hemp wick to smoke it with. It's a verbal thing (laughs) that I deliver, it's a remote practice. And I had to make sure that they all knew that because if anything came across buzzing cannabis, I'm done. I'm shut down. You have to jump through a lot of hoops and you have to have an insane amount of money and capital to be in this industry as a dispensary owner or, or a grower. Or somebody who manufactures products you have to really really be deep in there and you have to go through yeah a lot of hoops they're starting to open that up a little bit now with banks like the local dispensaries here can accept card now but for a long time it was a cash only business which makes it a little more vulnerable and then it also limits how the money can get back into the community i mean you look at colorado and their infrastructure and their schools are benefiting immensely from legalized cannabis so we're sitting on this this cash on this opportunity And it's going to waste. And they're finding other ways to do money grabs. So you see things, we spoke of synthetics earlier, like Delta-8. That's what Delta-8 is, is a money grab. They are still finding ways to produce things. They're still finding ways to to slip it through the cracks. And this one's sold in gas stations. People are buying Delta-8 at Valero and then messaging me later saying, I'm in the fetal position freaking out. I thought this wasn't going to get me high. Oh, it's going to get you high. And it's, it's a totally foreign thing. Chemists aren't making this. CBD producers who aren't making as much money off the CBD, but they can sell over the counter because all cannabis products are so restricted because of the federal law that they created this new thing. They synthetically pulled you know, some Delta-8 from cannabis products and then synthesized it to make it a lot more profitable and people are freaking out on it and real chemists can't even identify all the byproducts in it because it's such a, it's such a new thing. It's dangerous. It's harmful. So these restrictions are really causing all new problems that we don't need to have. We could totally avoid this.
0: And the synthetics are hard to approach because you can't just outlaw Let's say we're talking about sneakers. You're like, okay, so Nike is, is the brand, you know, for example. Uh, you know, Nike is the brand that we have to stay away from. But with the synthetics, they just change the chemical compound by putting an extra hydrogen atom in there. Mm-hmm. And then that changes the entire chemical compound. So that Nike sneaker that was illegal suddenly becomes, you know, an Adidas or something. And mm-hmm. and you're never able to stay up. You can't just say sneakers are illegal, you know, because you have to specifically say exactly what's going to become illegal.
1: Yeah. So the cat's out of the bag before they could even try and pull it over. And that's it's the same as copyright for music you add a note and it's it's entirely new and they can they can get away with it and unfortunately a lot of dispensaries especially the ones that i've had to call for clients to find out what products they have and make sure they're recommending the right things and asking about their stuff a lot of them, they don't have the wherewithal, the, the money or the concern really to educate their staff. Some are very educated in the dispensary that I worked at here in Maryland, very educated, but still you only get a certain amount of time with each patient as they come through. You're not able to sit there and talk to them about what exactly everything is going wrong with them. You can't really go over their medications. I work with a pharmacist that I send all the meds lists of my clients to before we begin working together. And if they add anything, I will consult them to make sure that nothing's going to conflict. There's certain medications for uh, blood pressure that you really cannot consume cannabis. Like if you're not supposed to eat grapefruit on this medication, you really shouldn't do cannabis either. So t- making sure that I have a network to discuss that is really, really important. And dispensary agents just can't can't do that. They can't go home with somebody and teach this 70 year old woman how to spark a bowl. <laughs> That's what she wants to do. you know. Whereas I can meet with them virtually. And I I can help her do that. I can take the time and really educate them.
0: So I feel the younger clients may be a little easier to approach if they were on the fence of, is cannabis right for me or not? They haven't had the propaganda pushed on them for their entire, maybe it is their entire life, but it's a lot younger. Now the older patients, 60s, 70s, you said a man had uh, Parkinson's and he was older. What is it like approaching them their entire life? They have everything they've ever seen, from mm-hmm. newspapers, from government releases to anything, is how bad marijuana is for you. Now, legal and states now possibly can help them with their conditions. Are they receptive? Does it take more massaging to get them to understand mm-hmm. the message?
1: Oh, there's certainly uh, skeptics in that community. I've spoken to a few senior communities and given presentations on the endocannabinoid system, on cannabis, just general uh, one-on-one. And one thing that I'm always very careful of is not to make them feel as though they've been fooled. Uh, I don't like to say they like to generalize the entire senior community, but it is important not not to say, like, your government lied to you and you ate up everywhere of that bullshit. <laughs> like, that's not going to get me anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you, you let's <laughs> like skip that part. So yeah. Oftentimes, <laughs> yeah, oftentimes, the senior community, I will highlight specifically how it targets arthritis inflammation. Or I had one. Older gentleman with glaucoma asked me, and, and severe pain, and he asked me, how come my pain management specialist that I pay all this money to, that my insurance that I go to, how come he tells me don't smoke marijuana, do this instead? And I said, well, there isn't a cannabis rep in acute cute suit with a trip to Cancun rolling into his office the next day with a prescription pad. That's the simplest way I can say it to you. And he was like, all right, I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. And sometimes it does take Some massaging to get to the science, but you don't want to overwhelm people. That's why a coach is important because we can bridge that gap between doctor and dispensary. So we're not dropping all this clinical jargon on them and and making them, anyone really feel dumb because I mean, it is a lot. I have some pretty sciencey books in front of me that, that teach about terpenes and cannabinoids and how everything works in the body. So I don't want to overwhelm people, but I also don't want to patronize. So finding a way to connect with each person and just like if you're selling something, I used to sell appliances. You know, I'm not going to tell somebody who has filtered water at the sink, buy this fridge it has a water filter in. I'm going to talk to them about the benefits, not the features. So when it comes to cannabis, I connect with the older generation and speak to them how this is going to work for you because they don't want to hear all this stuff. They don't want to hear somebody try and say it's a cure-all because that's a dangerous precedent to, to set also. They want to know how is this going to work for me, keep it short, keep it simple. Less is more. Help me to understand this, where it doesn't suggest that you think I'm some sort of idiot that bought into propaganda all my life. Because truly, that is all they knew. That's that's all the older generations were, were told, that it's terrible. It's going to ruin your life. It's going to steal your daughters away. It's, it's all these horrible things. And our generation grew up with D.A.R.E., the, your brain on drugs commercials. You know? It's a hard thing to unlearn. Being able to trust yourself, and then telling them that, oh, by the way, I can't tell you take this exact strain at this time and this much. You're going to have to learn what works for you, and when, and how. Oh no, you know that's a really hard thing for people to hear. So I have to often remind people: Have you ever been to Wawa for a hoagie? You know, have you ever built yourself a salad? You learn what you like that goes together. You've been able to build that regimen for yourself. You can do the same thing with your lifestyle, with diet, like gluten and sugar and what works for you. And you can do the same thing with your cannabis medicine and also what complements it. Because the terpenes that are in cannabis are also present in foods and herbs and spices. And if you've ever heard of eating mango before smoking weed because it makes it last longer, that's legit. And that's something that the subculture has always known. But professionals are starting to learn now because All of us who have been smoking weed in our sheds for 20 years are able to come out and say, hey, here's all my knowledge I've been sitting on. Oh, and here's all the ancient texts from China and and the Ukraine and everywhere else that's been consuming cannabis for years. And here's all the the information out of Jamaica that you've been laughing at all these years, but it's legit. In fact, if you ever were to smoke too much cannabis, which we've all been there, but getting too high, 15-year-old me would have really appreciated knowing That a little bit of CBD levels it right out, or chewing on a black peppercorn can bring you right down because the cannabinoids in the peppercorn and the CBD, both of those can chill THC. As long as there's more CBD than THC, the euphoric effects are kept in check. That's something that's very useful to know. That's something that I like to make all physicians know. It's something I like to make my local EMS let them know. If somebody comes to you and it's an older person in particular who's starting to get really, really scared because They're higher than they've ever been in their life and they're new to this feeling. Explaining to them what they can do to bring it back down. That's also something you can't do with alcohol unless you get hooked up to a banana bag. You know, you can't just respond to your body systems in a way that brings balance. Like you're drunk, you're drunk.
0: Yeah, you're on the floor and the the room's spinning and, you know, good luck. The peppercorn and the CBD, you know, that's interesting. I've never heard that and it used to be just ride it out and you'll be okay and nobody's ever overdosed on marijuana and you're going Mm -hmm. to be fine
1: yeah and there's other you know there's other techniques you say that you reassure a person if you're helping someone through an uncomfortable situation okay let's give this 15 minutes let's focus on our breath that's also more of what I do I provide recorded meditations for my clients I always guide them in a meditation in our sessions together sometimes I'll record them a custom meditation and one of them in particular is one to come down from an anxiety attack or if you get a little a little too far with the THC to help you reconnect with your mind and your body to bring you back here. Because if we aren't here, if we're not right here in the present, in this moment, we're either in the past or the future. And neither of those places can be influenced by our thoughts right here, right now. We can't do anything about them. So bringing ourselves back here and maybe watching something funny or having a snack or just having a conversation and keeping ourselves occupied until it starts to level out can be extremely beneficial. But there can be support in just chewing a peppercorn. One, it, you know, it burns like hell. So it shocks you out of it a little bit. But really the beta caryophylline that's present in it counteracts the THC and keeps it chill.
0: Who's the ideal client for you? Somebody sitting at home, they're not sure what to do. They're they're trapped in their in their own world and you know having a, a hard time. Who should reach out
1: to you? Honestly, I have Room for everybody. <laughs> my clients are it's a very diverse spread. It's amazing as a coach how, and I, and I speak to my clients about this all the time, and as a human being, just the evolution and how how much we don't see it coming. And originally what I intended my my niche market to be, because there's room for everybody. You know, there's only so many clients that coach can take on at one time, and there's so many different things that cannabis can support and that other aspects of coaching can support, like the mindfulness meditation that I I thought originally, okay, well, I want to work with older community. I want to work with people with Alzheimer's and dementia because cannabis is shown to reduce the inflammation on the brain with the tartar buildup that causes Alzheimer's and dementia, which is, I mean, that's huge, (laughs) really huge. My first job was in a nursing home and I just watched people, their memories just deteriorate before my eyes. And it was heartbreaking. And I went into coaching intending to do that. But what my intuition drew me to and who was drawn to me turned out to be trauma survivors because that's my experience. That's my story. And I ended up working a lot with women in their 20s. This generation, they are, they've are they had enough. They're not going to repeat the cycles. They're not going to wait until they're in their 30s and 40s to start dealing with their crap. They want to deal with it now and they want to correct it now and have a good full life. And I think that is so incredible. And I actually, I have one client, he's a 22-year-old man, has had a much different life from my own. He has had gang experiences. He's grown up in a completely different environment than I have. He was diagnosed with schizophrenia, changed his entire life. He ended up being basically a shut-in and he would smoke whatever cannabis he could get his hands on and it would send him into psychosis. I mean, he was pacing the floor back and back and forth, p- peeling skin off of his face. But just by working with me and finding the correct cannabis cultivars to help him, he doesn't pace anymore. He's not picking his skin off his face. He's pursuing it from an educated place and sprinkled in a little mindfulness and other little Lizzie things that I sneak in there. But that's not a client that I necessarily would have sought out. But he found me. His mother found me, actually. So really, it's anybody who wants autonomy. I am all about that. And I have... One of the stories that I often share with people, my dear friend, Jared, he was a Marine, had PTSD, came home from from the war, left his spirit there. And the doctors in the VA told him, take this, 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 and this. When When he died of a heroin overdose, his sister and I found all these containers of all these different medications across his dresser. Some of them were doubles. Some of them never should be taken together because of different doctors not communicating. But they all told him across the board, stay away from weed. And it makes me angry because the promise and just the results that have been delivered on cannabis for PTSD, my own included, could have spared him, could have saved his life. And knowing that it could curb heroin withdrawal too, like this man should not be dead. And there's so many people, there's a theory that 50,000 lives, I think is the average number of lives that is believed could be saved a year by cannabis just for the opioids, the opioid pandemic. It's huge. So it's hard not to get And I went off on a tangent there, but (laughs) it's hard not to want to work with absolutely anybody who's curious, even just a little bit, to get their ball rolling. And then if they decide, hey, the the mind-body connection is something I really feel like would support me, I want to help foster that in everybody because it ripples out. It's not entirely selfless. I have a nine-year-old, you know, that I want a wonderful world for. And anybody that I can help, I feel 100% 100% certain that they're going to let that ripple out to other people and spread the message of self-sustaining autonomy and wellness. And that's going to create that wonderful world. It's my daughter. And there I go. Blah, blah, blah.
0: <laughs> no, that was a great answer. So you mentioned you have clients in Alaska and Finland. Um, I doubt they're flying in to see you. Do you have an office? Is everything on Zoom?
1: This is it. This is my office. My desk is actually also my daughter's piano. So Ingenuity, yeah, it's all virtual. So actually in one day for a while there, I was meeting with Finland at eight in the morning, which was three o'clock in the afternoon, uh, his time. And then I was meeting with Alaska at eight at night, which was four o'clock in the evening, their time. So it was like a wild day. (laughs) But I also have clients in Canada, Texas, Mississippi, Florida, um, Illinois, New Jersey, Maryland, all over the place in Canada. Before COVID, this was actually a gift from COVID. I had every intention of getting an office space and I intended to work locally. And then I never heard of Zoom. I mean, how many people did before 2020? Yeah, but now it changed everything. And I'm able to have a wider reach and work with people of various legality situations. And some people grow their own. All different ages I've worked with. The oldest client I've worked with is in their 90s. And the youngest is 20.
0: Do you find that Zoom brings in the type of client who probably wouldn't come into an office to sit down?
1: Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Because well, also they want to be able to partake. That's part of like the perk of what I do. So I was trying to figure out how am I going to do it? I don't want to go to people's houses. That's dangerous. I certainly don't want people coming to my house and leaving here after consuming when we don't know how long it will take. I want them to be safe and secure and cozy in their home, but I don't want to be traveling to get to them and traveling back. And then that increases rates as well, because I have to think about that. I homeschool my daughter. So I'd have to figure out care for her. So it was actually a bit daunting entering into this. And then COVID was like, oh, you get to work from home. And when you're done, you get to clock out and walk out and there's baby girl right there in the living room. So it's really nice for my clients that they can say, okay, I can be cozy in my bed. I mean, I see everybody in their pajamas and that's how I like it. Come real, bring a snack, bring a drink, because I'm here trying to help you 10 basic self-care am i watered am i fed am i rested that's the most important but we worry about all the other things first so how many people wake up in the morning and they respond to text on their way to the bathroom before even taking a breath or having a drink of water checking in with themselves they give over to others i want them to show up for themselves entirely to hang up every hat to hang up every coat every cape get cozy in their space Create a safe space within their home or sometimes outside. I'll I'll tell them, like, hey, it's a gorgeous day. Go sit on your porch and let's let's get in some of this fresh air together, even if it's hundreds of miles apart. It creates a lot more opportunity for certainly to be able to meet virtually.
0: Do you have any tips for a person in their office? They're in their cubicle, you know, maybe they're having a hard time, like to to find mindfulness, you know, besides day of social media, we, I think we figured that one out. But to just take a minute, what is something that they can do? To recenter themselves to get back to their square one?
1: Well, grounding is a term that's used pretty often. That can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I'll never tell my clients or my yoga students, I don't, I hesitate to even say yoga because that's more of a buzzword. What I do is mindful movement, but I will never tell anyone to take a deep breath because what a deep breath means to you will be very different to what a deep breath means to somebody else. So I'll Tell them to find their breath, locate the breath. Many times, most of the time, we as adults, we breathe and our chest comes out, our belly comes in. How many times have we seen people like, right? And they go back down. We're keeping ourselves in a constant state of hyperventilation because we're keeping our lower organs pressed in so our lungs can't expand fully. If you watch a baby breathe, they breathe in, their belly button rises, their belly opens up, creating space for the lungs to expand. And then we exhale, we draw the belly button toward the spine, really pressing out all that stale old air. And that's an entirely different breath. So just focusing on one breath like that, just noticing the sensation of the oxygen at the base of the nose, noticing how it feels, where we're bringing our breath, is the chest, is the belly? Can we adjust that? Can we lengthen the exhale a little bit? Even just one breath gives our entire cell system a chance to, okay, I don't have to do anything else for this second. And that's huge. And if we're distracted, thoughts and truth, which they're designed to do, people are under this misconception that meditation means clearing the brain, clearing the mind does not work that way. That's called brain dead. It doesn't, it's not okay. You know, the brain is going to be constant. The mind is going to be constant. It's going to be in some sort of default mode. That's how we're able to drive places and have a conversation at the same time, or how we're able to walk and chew gum at the same time. So we just give ourselves permission to begin again. Mindfulness is the, acceptance of the wandering mind and knowing that it wanders and it's going to wander to these anxious places that it's wandered to every day because that's its habit that's its footpath and it's going to take practice and it's going to take patience and reassurance to say oh hey mind okay you wandered this way again to the past that you know i can't control that's already happened or you've wandered this way to the future that i have no idea what's actually going to happen i see you begin again i'm going to bring you back gently and kindly not uh, god i suck i can't even focus oh that's not helping right gently and kindly bringing it back and a good thing to do is to practice so we have these anxious situations like you said you're sitting in a cubicle it's going to be a little difficult to jump into a practice like that or to know what to do if we haven't gained a little experience. So I encourage people to when they're brushing their teeth, and I, I encourage you to try this tonight, and please let me know how it goes. But when you're brushing your teeth, just notice how much your mind wanders then. I mean, if you think about it, you wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you're thinking about what you got to do that day. Do I have time to shower? What am I going to make for breakfast? Are the kids awake yet? We're not thinking about what we're doing. And that's just two minutes or a day in the morning, two minutes at night when we're thinking, oh, I didn't get enough done today. or. I'm not going to sleep well. I didn't sleep well last night. I'm hurting, or however, we're essentially crapping on ourselves, bookends of our day. And if that's the beginning and the end, what's the middle like when our mind is wandering away from what we're doing, which it's bound to do? It does this most frequently when we're driving or self grooming. So instead, while you're brushing your teeth, just notice how many times it wanders and begin again. Bring it back, bring the mind back to focus on the sensation of the bristles on the gum taste of the t- put my hand on my head like Peter Pan. I'm like, oh, I didn't know I did this, you know? But I do it every time I brush my teeth. Didn't notice until I paid attention to it. But when you see how much your mind is wandering, you begin again. That's a nice way of practicing bringing the mind back and practicing being comfortable with the fact that it wanders and a little more forgiving. I think that's
0: good advice. Be kind to yourself, be mm-hmm. kind to others, you know? And maybe that'll help everyone be kind to each other. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I could tell you right now throughout a day, how focused my mind is on just the present. And that might only be the two minutes that, you know, a person mm-hmm. spends brushing their teeth. And that's my entire waking day of two minutes of focus. Uh, so I, mm. I will do my best to try to bring that back.
1: Yeah, And gently and kindly and and patiently with a attitude of curiosity and friendship more so than ridicule or control, you know, just gently noticing like, Oh man, there, there goes my mind again. Wandering. Isn't that interesting? How much, even in this time and where it goes, you know, a little self-study, but a kind self-study, not one that you necessarily need to explore and be like, oh, what's wrong with me? But just, oh, okay, hmm, I noticed that. I noticed that on days that this happens, I'm even more easily distracted, or days that this doesn't happen, I'm able to bring it back to me because hurt people hurt people and healing people help to heal people. And if we're hurting ourselves, if we're ridiculing ourselves and if we're diminishing our efforts day in and day out, let alone the very beginning of our day and the last thing we do before we go to sleep. Like you said, be kind to others. How kind can we be to others if we're not first kind to ourselves?
0: I think that's a very good point. From your experience when you were in the dispensary, can you just give a high level for people who aren't fully immersed into the the legal cannabis marijuana industry? How have things changed? What is the different types of, of strains that people can come across and and possibly some of the benefits they might have?
1: Well, that is one of the awesome perks to it being illegal for so long. There's, there's two things I've always said have have been a promising advantage is that because legalization took forever, it gave an opportunity for women and people of color to get their foot in the door at least a little bit, if they have the capital and the resources. Because if this had been around since the 1700s consistently, in the and well, the early 1900s even. When it became illegal, it would be a totally absolute white man-dominated industry. So there's been a little advantage there. And there's also been the advantage of keeping the strain names. In in Canada, not so much. They changed the names for a lot of things. But here we have strains that the sweet old man that came in with Parkinson's, he bought himself a half ounce of pooty tang with a smile on his face and i whenever an older person comes in and says oh let me get some of that alaska thunderfuck i say i'll get that right for for you i mean
0: it's, (laughs) it's
1: such a little like that's what you get the man whatever that's what you get we get to keep these names the downside to that is people put a lot of stock in those names now you'll you'll hear of certain ones that everybody, their Pineapple Express, Blissful Wizard, Northern Lights, Girl Scout cookie, these runts, these are strains that people know very well. Every one is not the same. It's just like any other plant. You know, it's not going to be a clone. Bananas, you know, a clone. But like, you know, this had a celery, still had a celery, but it's not going to be the same as this had a celery. So this, so like right here, I have Captain's Cake. Here in Maryland, we have the advantage of having all this information it's a little blurry i'm sorry but um all this information on here there we go of terpenes and cannabinoids and letting us know the percentages of each so batch to batch grow to grow it's going to have different percentages of these terpenes so people think like oh okay well this strain treats me really well and then they'll have it and it won't be the same experience because this batch this grow that was last year this grow right here They're chasing that money because even cannabis growers are doing that. They're chasing the THC. This right here, the THC is 29.24%. That's pretty high. 10 years ago, we'd be like, that's crazy high. Now they have strains that are like 35, 36% THC. That's crazy high. So you have to adjust your dosage according to that. And that could be the same strain. And just a month later, it's got different terpenes, different cannabinoids different thc percentage so that's been a big change that you know folks that'll come in that believe themselves to be seasoned smokers oh i smoked a lot of weed back in the 60s and they have it and that is not your your street born ditch weed anymore this is you know the horticulturalist sat here and engineered this terpene profile to to get that As I said earlier, the science should be where we're able to do that really directly and create the same exact terpene profile over and over again. The science should be there. There's uh, Dr. David A. Dawson, who's a biomolecular psychologist. He's down in Florida and he works for Spectral Analytics in New York. Incredible work. He's doing incredible work to create terpene profiles to treat specific afflictions like PTSD, like diabetes, because there's the omega acid effect with cannabis. That's a whole other conversation because. Cannabis can help with diabetes. That's huge. It's a big problem in the United States. So having the terpene profiles, which not all states have, it's really annoying as a coach that like New Jersey doesn't have terpene profiles and everything. Even Washington, who's had like a decade more time than everybody else, they don't have full terpene profiles on all their products. But it's helpful to understand all the different components. So you know, okay, this Girl Scout cookie actually has way more mericine than I'm able to tolerate. Let me look over here at this. Okay, this is a different strain, but this has a similar terpene profile to the Girl Scout that I had because I've taken notes because my coach taught me to. (laughs) And I know that this is is the variety that will help me. That's why I like to say chemotype and cultivar also as opposed to strain because people, the lexicon is important. I won't use marijuana. I'll say cannabis. It's important to me that if we're going to squash the stigma, you know, People learn the proper terms, but still use the strain names when making the purchases because we deserve it. That's the that's my biggest takeaway from from my uh and changes of the dispensary experience.
0: So that was good that you said to take notes because your coach told you. So if you are at a dispensary and then you purchase uh, one of the strains and you go home, you happen to like the effects that it gave on you. So in New Jersey, how would they figure that out? You're shit out of luck, and sorry. Next time you go in and you get captain's cake. And now it's, you're falling asleep on the couch. And the last time you were social and hanging out.
1: Guesstimating mm-hmm. Estimating a bit, you know, researching, taking, taking notes of the effect, but looking online to see what other people in other States have kind of reported, like, okay, this is higher. What are the leading terpenes? Oftentimes they can say the leading terpenes are myrcene, pinene, limonene. Okay. myrcene helps cannabis to last longer so if you have pain it's also anti-inflammatory it's a anti-spasmodic it's really good for say my Parkinson's patient uh pinene, that's a focusing one that's good if you don't want to have any of the forgetfulness because they they're linking that to memory retention but it's also super focusing so if you have uh ADD ADD can be hyper-focused but it can also be distraction if you're distracted Pinine can support you there if you're anxious you're just gonna focus in on that super fun thought parade that's trampling through your brain. So piney might not be for you. So seeing that in the leading terpenes can tell you maybe not. And limonene is super energizing. So learning about the terpenes, even even if you don't know this, you know the specific percentages, but knowing what the leaders are will help you to learn and taking note of your particular system because people are paradoxical. Indica you may have heard puts you into couch. Indica's good nighttime. It's good relaxing sativa is good for daytime that's going to help energize if i'm cleaning the house i'm leaning into lemon skunk that's a sativa that's got limonene in it which is also present in lemons and you may have heard that squeezing some lemon into teas can give you like an energetic boost if i'm going to chill on the couch and watch the office and relax at the end of the day and i'm feeling sore i'm going to find an indica something that's heavier in myrcene or something that's heavier in linalool which is present in lavender and helps bring on those sedative effects Knowing that is the same as knowing if you want to have chamomile tea or orange zinger. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, definitely. And that was the, the question I think I was getting at from before, but that definitely answers the question of the different types you should look at if you want to have a certain experience.
1: Mm-hmm. It's but amazing I've, that it's kind of this far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, I know, right? But yeah. it's definitely worth knowing, you know, how you react specifically and what you consumed that day. Again, if you have a lot of mango then you've already got some maricene going. If you have black pepper, you've got some beta caryophylline going. If you have lemon in your tea, along with the cannabis that you're consuming, it's going to energize more. So knowing that, okay, if limonene exacerbates my anxiety at all, which for some people it does, I had something with lemon in it earlier. I want to make sure I don't partake of cannabis that has high in limonene right now because I have a bucket, and once the bucket is full, it's it's uncomfortable. Knowing those things can can be really, really beneficial. Also understanding sometimes while cannabis can bring our thoughts to hyper, hyper awareness of something that maybe we don't want to think about, it also highlights the work that we need to do. Why is this something that's lingering in our mind? Is this offering a safe opportunity for us to mentally process it? And what's called hyper priming. If you've ever consumed cannabis and then watched a movie that you've seen a thousand times, but suddenly you're like, ah, look at okay i get that now i'm making this connection that's hyper priming that euphoria or that euphoria the um eureka when we're connecting two seemingly unconnectable things that can help in our anxiety too, bring stuff to the forefront so we can clean out the wound instead of smack on another bandage
0: so you were talking about the thc percentage in your captain's cake was 29 What mm-hmm. what is the range that they so i, I guess you look at it as like a an alcohol by volume type of thing.
1: Yeah, which again is unique to everybody. I worked with somebody at the at the dispensary that could um, eat an entire bag of Betty's Eddie's, which is five fruit chews each with five milligrams of THC each. So that's twenty five milligrams of THC, they'd be taking, and he felt nothing. But he could have a hit off of a off of a dab rig of some concentrate, and he was on Mars riding dinosaurs. So it really depends on your. T- tolerance your experience again what you consumed and just your system some people don't feel anything with edibles at all or they don't get the effect that they're desired some people will soak in some bath salts and they'll get a groove going just absorbing it transdermally so it's really person to person the range goes from you know almost zero percent like you know 0.3 percent for high cbd all the way up into i mean if you're getting into concentrates it gets pretty high up there and like, um, oil pens, like vapes and things like that. You're getting into the seventies of percentage and stuff like that. So you want to have less of a, of a concentrate in a vape than you would of flour, which is probably in the mid teens to mid thirties is what you're going to see the most, from the lower side to the higher side.
0: So nobody's ever overdosed from marijuana. You know, you can't have too much of it is a saying that everyone's always said. But these higher concentrates, there has to be something, if you can speak to it or if you don't, then that's fine too. The youth, the teenagers, you're not just going to the local guy anymore and getting a dime bag and you're smoking dirt weed or maybe a guy's cousin got some mally-wally, whatever they told you it was and you paid more for it. You know, But now you're, you're in the 40% THC range. What's your feelings on that? Do you think there is any connection there for a long-term issue, a short-term issue, a long-term issue, a developing issue?
1: Certainly, certainly. Um, less less in terms of dependency. I mean, they will say, oh, you feel anxious if you start stop smoking weed. Well, maybe you were anxious and it was treating your anxiety and you stopped taking your medication. That's one thing. But brain development in particular, when it comes to teenagers, I strongly discourage heavy cannabis use and the high THC because it's going to alter the brain structure. It's going to alter the neurotransmitters. We know about neurogenesis now. You may recall when we were younger, they said, if you smoke weed, you're going to burn away your brain cells and you never get them back. You only have so many, right? But now we know, you no, we are producing brain cells still until, until we die, we're making new brain cells. Neurogenesis is real and cannabis actually, CBD promotes that, but not if we are smoking ourselves stupid every day. I mean, people who are adults, you want to consume, you want to relax, I'm for it. But to use it to completely numb ourselves, I mean, that's that's that is abuse. That is a thing. I think that teenagers should stay on the lower side of the THC. If if there's something that they're treating, that they have some sort of affliction. Bipolar has shown to have promise with with uh, cannabis, and of course, as I mentioned, anxiety, ADD, and all those things. But there are other ways to consume also besides inhalation. So we don't necessarily need to enter, you know, plant material in there. Higher CBD, lower THC, so they're not getting high all the time. That's something else that working with a professional can help people understand. There's other ways to administer, like topically. Transdermal is not necessarily going to have the same euphoric effects, um, the one that is really not fun, but is super effective for pain is suppositories. High amounts of THC can go in that way, but it's not going to be metabolized through the liver. So people who have severe, severe back pain can pop in a cannabis a high THC suppository at bedtime and relieve their pain without getting stoned. These things are really important for people to know. So they have the options, especially yeah, the the younger folks whose brains are still still going until what our 20s i think they're still developing until we're like 27.
0: yeah i saw mid-20s the other day in a news article you know of, of course if you're not of legal age you shouldn't be doing it but you know uh, everybody knows you're gonna find a way to get it if you want it everybody yeah. drinking in high school you know things like that smoking marijuana in high school whatever it might be uh things that you weren't supposed to do so uh, there's certainly I, I think there's a
1: lot of risks with, with the street, a lot of, I mean, I accidentally smoked something that had been sprayed with raid when I was in high school because I was smoking out of ignorance and it was, it was a bad day. (laughs) It was a really bad day. And I mean, there could be anything else in there. With it being regulated with it being legal that's why i encourage people also to go the medicinal side instead of recreational because medicinal is going to have more regulation they're not only going to check to make sure that the product itself is safe like oils and concentrates but that the flower isn't grown with harmful fertilizers and pesticides that that could harm the consumer they're going to make sure there's no toxic metals there's a lot that and it's also less expensive <laughs> to to go with medical than it is to go with recreational there's a lot of reasons i have a whole blog post about it because people think oh i might as well just go buy it from from my buddy anyway because it's a lot cheaper well why is a mcdonald's burger a lot cheaper than a salad because it's cheaply made right i mean if you can grow your own all the power to you
0: does maryland allow home growth
1: come in July oh there you go in july yes and i've been all my supplies have been anxiously waiting in the garage for, for
0: i was a gonna ask if you were excited i couldn't tell
1: oh very yeah. very 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 and i've That's been saving cool. seeds in a little bank <laughs> for, for long anything that comes through in here gets stashed away to see what what we can get going but it's always stuff that i know like okay that worked for me and we'll see when i grow it's going to be a completely different condition there's only one Grower on the eastern shore where I live in Maryland that they grow outside everything else is inside so that's another problem with with the cannabis industry as it is today we can't trade across state lines so like anything that they grow in Maryland can't be consumed in Jersey and vice versa not legally so if you've ever heard of land races that's the cannabis that grew like in Jamaica had lambs ear and Mexico had Acapulco gold like that's the original cannabis that grew there Back, back in ancient times, and then they've mixed them all together get you know, all these other strains. Well, they're influenced by the amount of natural sunlight they get. They're influenced by the time of year. There's Girl Scout cookie season, so to speak. So, being grown in like a box isn't isn't necessarily going to produce the same medicine as something that's grown outdoors. So when we can finally, when it's federally legal and we can kind of grow things specifically to their climate, the same way that we do vegetation, that's going to make such a difference in the medicine that we consume. I'm really excited to see that boom. And people are able to kind of do that on their own now by growing in their yards and growing in their garages. Oregon, they can, I think in Maine, they can have quite a few plants. Can't wait.
0: You brought up about crossing state lines. If I had a prescription medication, I could go from New Jersey to Delaware, Pennsylvania, and wouldn't run into an issue. Now, if you have a handgun in New Jersey and you cross state lines, or vice versa, you you know you're not bringing a unregistered firearm, or a, I guess it is registered, but what, you're not allowed to cross state lines with a firearm, and New Jersey okay. will nail you. For marijuana that is medicinal, are you allowed to cross state lines? Are you allowed to fly? Or no,
1: not legally, no.
0: So if you were to fly and you need it medicinally, if you were to fly to California, well, I guess it's recreational there. So you could just walk in and get it. Nope. I answered my own question.
1: Some states also practice reciprocity like Maine does. My medical card would work in medical dispensaries in Maine, but that's not true the other way around. People would come into our dispensary. I live 10 minutes outside of Ocean City and the dispensary I worked at was positive energy in West Ocean City and people would come here for vacation. But I have a medical card in Jersey. I'm sorry, this is Maryland. And legally, we can only sell to Maryland patients. You can come from out of the county, you can come from the other side of the state, but you can't come from a different state. Not as of right now.
0: Yeah, they need to fix that. If you're going to make it legal, you should try to help out as many people as you can.
1: I agree. That's why, well, D.C., you can, anybody can buy in D.C., which is a really weird situation down there. They're their legal cannabis is is wacky. They had pop-ups for the longest time, not even like a physical location. You had to find it to, to buy it. But you could get it no matter where you're from.
0: are DC. Okay. Only in DC. I know. Like a scavenger hunt and maybe you'll find the weed or maybe you won't. Yeah. Maybe you'll lose your car.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> who knows? All right, Lizzie, what else? Do you have anything else you want to cover?
1: No, no. I, I, I think I covered a lot. I hope I didn't overwhelm. <laughs> It's so much information I can nerd out about cannabis all day if you, if you have any questions please uh, throw them my way
0: yeah, this was very educational legal cannabis I knew very little about I, I know they made it legal in New Jersey medicinally and recreationally but not something I've ever really looked into and I, I think this was enlightening for people who might not know to see that it can what it can do for pain, what it can do for anxiety also why coupling that with other health and wellness, and, and things like that to make it as a complete whole. You know, I, I think that's good. But I think this very interesting. Go ahead, absolutely.
1: yes. That's a point that I should make. A uh, full spectrum, which is in um, the name of my practice, for those who don't know what that means, there's CBD that people will often buy in stores that will have fillers. Don't Please don't buy your CBD at like the gas station. <laughs> but uh, there's CBD that will have just CBD, or, and that's an isolate. Or there's broad spectrum, which will have other terpenes and cannabinoids in it and then there's full spectrum that will have some THC and all a whole host of other terpenes and cannabinoids because there's something called the entourage effect if you've ever been to an orchestra performance you know that just the percussion going like yeah that's cool you'll get a headache eventually or just the woodwinds you know that sounds nice the strings that sounds nice but when you pull them all together now you have a symphony same thing as with a salad a bowl of lettuce is food in your belly but it's a bowl full of lettuce, you know. But you add carrot, you add tomato, you add oil, you add vinegar, you add salt and pepper. Now you have a salad, and that's synergy. That's one plus one equaling more than two. It's the same of cannabis, and it's the same of wellness lifestyle of really tending to one's real self care. Yes, cannabis can be helpful. Yes, mindfulness can be helpful. Yes, movement can be helpful. Yes, uh, what you're consuming. You know, food wise and entertainment wise can be helpful. But when you tend to all of these things, that's the full spectrum, and that's going to really get to the root of problems, and that's going to really provide opportunity to heal. so i'm glad I'm glad that you mentioned that. yes, coupling with other things can can bring it all to a whole new level,
0: great, perfect. You mentioned a blog. so do you do you have a blog going on? Do you have I a think- website that people can go to?
1: Yes, uh, www.growfullspectrum.com. I have a blog on there. It's been neglected for the last year as I reevaluated time management, but I'm actually going to be putting out a new blog post this month and a new loot newsletter this month for 420, the cannabis underground holiday that's approaching. Uh, there is a blog on my site actually explaining the origins of 420. I have posts on why vaping is good and... You know what to do if you overburn your toast. (laughs) If you consume too much cannabis, all different kind of topics to touch on: PTSD management, cannabis education, uh, what anandamide really does, what the endocannabinoid system is. So, just resources. I like. I mostly have written them to offer to my clients to kind of save time in their sessions. Like, I'll send them some slides, or I'll send them a recording say, okay, here's something that I want you to educate yourself on. And then we'll discuss it in our session because we only have so much time. I actually meet with my clients for 90 minutes. So it sounds like a lot of time, but for the movement and mindfulness that we do rather than, you know, listen to me talk like you just had to do forever and ever, I'll send them like a blog post that will, will teach them about certain things.
0: This was educational. If they listen to you for 90 minutes, they're going to come out of it much better than than they went into it. So thank you so much. It was great. Yeah. Very kind. All right, of you so, grateful. Oh, yeah. So, new clients, they should go to your website.
1: Or they can you? message me on Facebook. They can email me at Lizzy, L I Z Y, Maritia, M A R A T E A, at growfullspectrum.com. I have a Facebook group, Balance and Independence. Through self-compassion, it's a private group where I have a bunch of live videos, um, well, the replays now. I do Terpene Tuesday and go over different terpenes and different cannabinoids and mindfulness exercises. So all the recordings are there. I'm regularly sharing content in support of personal growth and development and growth mindset and cannabis education. So it's kind of a place where I bring all of those different um, avenues for wellness together and the community can can support one another in their endeavors. It's a nice, nice thing to have.
0: Yeah, it's great. The more information you can have, the more community, the, the sense of community. I think it's going to help people too. I think that's Absolutely. just perfect. Yeah, yeah. So everybody out there, go to Lizzie's webpage, sign up, become part of the Facebook group. Let her know that you found her on Wild and Weird. Uh, let's grow her business. Let's get her to, to hire someone else on her business. Uh, and thank you so much for coming on. I truly appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I really had a wonderful time talking with you.
0: Thank you. Have a great night.
1: You do the same.
0: All right, everyone. That was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guests. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time.